Welcome to Africa on Focus, where we share our success stories. Africa, the continent, the young diaspora, entrepreneurs, influencers, change makers, and so much more. I'm Miss Abba, and this is Africa on Focus, the podcast. I think I should call him legendary Prince Bright from the legendary group Boopak. Um, they go back, they go all the way back, and uh, this album called Black Love is one that you should listen to. Sakodia just never, he never does any wrong. Shout out to Sakodia on his record uh, called Ofecho. Do I even say it right? Are you gone? Ofecho, yeah. Oh. I'm from Accra. Oh, you are? Okay, did I say, did I pronounce it Ofecho. right? Ofecho. <laughs> what does it mean? I mean, you're doing too much. You're doing too much? Yeah. All right, so is that this, what the song is about? Ofecho, yeah. Alright, now I'm learning something. Ghana is really a language. That's on my to-do list. To <laughs> really, really, really. And before that, we listened to Bisakedi collaborating with Adekunle Gold, uh, Adiza. Uh, do you like? Do you like uh, Bisakedi? I love Bisakedi. Good, good. And I, I hate life. It. So he's not forgotten about the Kwame Eugene and mm-hmm. uh, the Kidi are not, you know, spoiling his entrance in the music scene. Uh, anyway, you're still listening to you, Africa Unfocused. Uh, this is Miss Alba with my co-host, Donnie. We've been talking about the news flash, and seriously, our special guest was like, listen, I have my two cents. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> talking about it. So we, we have been having some serious conversations about, you know, because uh, earlier on, we talked about Rwanda and obviously their growth. I would say, you know, we should take notes from them. Ghana should take notes from them and so forth. Uh, but there's actually more to the story. And uh, we were talking uh, uh, about that with uh, Leroy Nimo because he was given some insight on Rwandan people uh, that really, you know, know the inside of uh, why Rwanda is at the place where they are. Uh, so maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, in the meantime, I just want to give a shout out to Nana Kusi Achampong. He's like, seriously, he's like a diehard fan. He always tunes in. He always spreads the love. He always shares anything. And I just want to give a shout out to you. From all of you who are listening, uh, make sure that you let me know where you're listening to. Last time, was it somebody called, uh, listening from Jamaica? Uh, I've had, uh, where was it, Myanmar or something? I was like, whoa, that's incredible. Shout out to you for listening on this, uh, on this Sunday. And for those of you who are listening from Amsterdam, uh, in your cozy, wherever you are, you know, escaping the storm, thank you for tuning in to uh, Africa Unfocused. Today we're talking to Leo Nemo, who is a brand manager at uh, Filling Pieces. I know the gentlemen really know that brand. A high-quality contemporary menswear brand. Uh, and he is a creative consultant. In other words, he knows how to effectively brand yourself as a professional and creative. So I want everybody to get your pen and notebooks ready because we are about to talk uh, some knowledge as we are here to talk about, you know, how to empower our African people. And of course, if you are on your way as to building yourself up or you're finishing studies and you want to navigate in this communication, marketing area or even somewhere else, uh, you should get to know uh, some of his knowledge. I just want to welcome Leroy. Leroy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> Happy to be here. Good, good to have you here. And thank you also for like going through the storm because uh, did did you notice anything on your way? No, nah, not really. No, really. not really. Okay, so so it's pretty cool. It's, it's pretty mellow. All of the warnings been for nothing. <laughs> right, went acting like the apocalypse. It was kind of bad, like in the afternoon, because I was I went to the, to the city on the scooter and Ooh. on the scooter. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I almost got blown into a canal. But oh wow! And we, I was telling, him, I was talking to my sister. We like people should not ride on bikes, scooters, Mm-mm. nothing. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. So it was a very ambitious move. 
surprised. You made it. <laughs> Welcome to the show again. How was Thank your Sunday? You. Quite easy. Um, Sunday with the family and went to the gym and now I'm here. It was a relax. Did you go to the gym as well? I, nay, nay. You didn't? Nay. No, no. I, I can already tell from, you know, the way you were talking. Like, my, my, uh... You didn't do anything <laughs> active <laughs> at all. <laughs> Uh, so, Leroy, again, thank you for being here on the show. Now, I've met you at uh, OMEC. Shout out to Kimo, yes, by the way. Um, who is the initiator of uh, my OMEC, which is uh, a space for black people uh, in the Netherlands, yeah. you know, and regularly they meet up at Impact Hub to discuss about how to set about collaborations. And uh, there's where I meet Leroy. And, you know, he had some, like, listen, some knowledge. Like, he's super smart, like, intelligent, like... Putting pressure on me. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sure people would, like, pay for your, for your consultation yeah, and stuff like that. Let's go. So, uh, I, should, I should really, um, I'm really, you know, happy to invite you here before your uh, you. public speaking and stuff takes off. And you, <laughs> you'll be charging people 500 an hour or what's it called, 5,000 an hour. Um, well... Basically, I would really like for those of you that don't know you yet uh, to kind of have a feel of who you are. So uh, would you care to introduce yourself? Uh, yes, Leroy? I would. Um, well, my name is uh, Leroy, Leroy Nimel. Um, I live Nimel. in Ad Nimel, it is. Okay. Nimel is the, like the Dutch pronunciation. Yeah, that is. Um, I'm so guilty. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm uh, currently brand manager for Film Pieces, as you already mentioned. Yeah. Film Pieces is uh, um, originally started out as a footwear brand, and we've evolved into uh, a full-fledged fashion brand, uh, doing clothing and accessories and stuff like that, operating on a global scale, and have been okay. doing that for uh, uh, the brand is, is uh, in its year now so uh, for a decade almost wow. and grew from a small local brand started out here in Amsterdam and uh, has been built out to uh, a global brand um, where we've been able to uh, literally work um, with stores and people from all across the world right some serious business yep. especially that international bringing that to an international level exactly yeah super cool super cool so um, let's let's just go back to you, you know, you, because I know, because even from your story, I could already tell, like, okay, um, you've probably been independent, like, for such a long time, uh, kind of cruising your way through, um, making sure brands are elevated to its rightful place. How did your professional journey into, is it marketing? Is it communication? Is it branding specifically? How did that start for you? It, I guess it started when I was a kid. Um... I never finished high school. Uh, well, I finished high school. I never finished college. Uh, I didn't go to university. Um, and But I did have um, an interest in business. Right. And I think that interest came from the example I've had of my aunt and uncle who um, literally built a business from the ground up. And um, when I wasn't... Um, uh, when I when I was uh, free in the holidays, when I was uh, when I had vacation, I would work there. Right. Um, but also when I didn't want to go to school anymore, um, I worked uh, at the company, and that's uh, basically kind of how I learned about business. Uh, yeah. Learned about marketing by observing, and I think I've always had the dream to start my own business um, but I didn't know anything about business yeah um, but si 
since I was 16, I remember that I was always like making or trying to make like business plans because someone told me like, you have to have a business plan and da 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 da. And I was researching business plans and stuff like that. Yeah. And back then I already told myself, uh, I don't want to work for a boss ever, which was uh, a great ambition. Obviously, if you uh, don't finish any, any uh, <laughs> school, it's, right. it's a bit difficult than if you don't have any money. So, um, but I've always had this interest in business. And so I started learning myself, uh, educating myself and stuff and um, trying things. I tried a lot of things, uh, a lot of them failed, but uh, I guess that's um, been my, uh, my journey and my education. And at some point I uh, um, literally started my own company. And that was a company that uh, we did distribution for uh, a couple of brands and uh, mainly uh, in the uh, accessory and fashion segment right. and that is what like kick-started um, my journey into uh, into fashion and into marketing and branding right so um, you starting your own fashion brand or anything uh, around which age was this about because 16 that's where you realize okay I'm never gonna work for a boss I was, I think, someone between 22 and 25. And was that the business where you're currently on, or was nope. that different? That was, a, <laughs> that was a completely different thing. Um, we uh, Initially, it started out by, um, we spotted a brand, me and a friend of mine, uh, in Bali, and it was like a surf underwear brand, and we thought it was cool. And then we decided, okay, we have to like import this and sell it in the Netherlands, mm -hmm. and it's gonna work. And da da da. Right. And then we tried and we tried, and we didn't manage to pull it off. But we learned a lot. The the journey was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, from that point on, I kept on trying new things, and uh, to a certain point. Um, I knew that I wanted to be in, 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 in the fashion industry, and um, but I didn't know that many people, and uh, I didn't want to like work in a store and stuff like that. So um, I, I had a completely different job just to pay the bills, and I was selling, I was an account manager selling car parts. Uh, but on the side, I was working on my own business, and then at some point, um, I managed to um, get myself into a trade show, a fashion trade show. Usually that's only business to business and you don't really, you couldn't get in easily back then. Right. And then I got in and then um, I met someone at that trade show and he was representing a brand and it was a new brand, uh, fairly young and from the UK. and. Uh, he had a briefcase on him and he opened the briefcase and that briefcase was basically uh, a briefcase full of necklaces and, and, and bracelets and stuff like that. And the first thing that caught my eye was a, a, a necklace uh, from uh, Easy E. It's an Easy E pendant and I really liked it. I was like, yo, right, let me buy this. Is that Easy E? No, it was like the, the, the head of Easy E. Oh, right, right. And so I bought it off of him and then we both went our separate ways and a while later I was thinking like okay hold on 
nobody is selling this stuff in the Netherlands and I think it's cool and then I think I went to London one day with a friend to visit a festival and then I called him and I was like yo uh, I'm in London can we meet up and I'm basically I bluffed my way into working with them <laughs> Yeah, and I, I said like, yo, I, uh, I have this company and I do distribution and stuff like that and let me represent you. And they were like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, and that's basically what started. That's how the fashion, the fashion route started for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a lot of bluff, but uh, I, I always had this thing for if something interests me and, and uh, yes. I would like do some research on it and, and try to find out, okay, who are the people uh, in this the, this specific industry or in this segment, uh, who are the people that matter, which brands are relevant and stuff like that. And yeah, uh, yeah it was just a journey of like learning, constantly learning to do. And, and yeah, sometimes you fail and sometimes you, yeah. you bluff your way into something. Yeah, you um, brush the dirt off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and try again. Yeah. I love that. I love that you just... You just go for it. That's basically what it is. And what I also love about your journey is that um, even though you discovered what you wanted to do, you realized you never want to work for a boss. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, you had your job to do, you know, yep. as an uh, account manager. And next to that, you did your business. Yes. Uh, how was that even? Because I think that, you know, in this entrepreneur life and young people, especially when yeah. they want to go and do that thing, they often forget like, hey, there's a reality. <laughs> you must at least make yeah. sure that you, you get fed. Yep. You know, how was, how was that? Was that, how did you discover that that's the way for you to go? And how, when did you know that you could finally leave, leave that alone? Um, it was, it was very tough, I must say. Yeah. But, um, I knew I had, I had a I had a goal and I wanted to do something and for me that was like okay cool you have a choice you can either like go for it but without any uh, money to invest and but you still need to pay your bills so yeah. the choice was easy in that sense it's it's still very difficult to do but I knew like okay I want to go somewhere and I don't want to be stuck where I'm at right mm -hmm. now and so then it's like okay cool you just do your, do your job uh and that's just it's 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 your job mm -hmm. i need to pay my bills and i need to uh earn money yeah. to invest in what i do want yeah um and basically that was it for me but it was i have to say it was very tough and at some point um they say like uh um you can literally drop down and that literally happened to me at some point where I was literally working like I think 80 hours a day uh, a week yeah. um, and then um, so f between nine, 9 and 5 uh, I was on the road um, selling car parts to garages and stuff like that mm -hmm. and uh, after that I went to do my own stuff yeah and then at some point I had, I, I worked a, a whole day and then uh, I was visiting a friend of mine and uh, I wasn't feeling too well and I said to him, yo, I'm, I'm going to go home. And then uh, I stood up and the next thing I knew, I, I woke up and I was face flat on the ground. So mm. I, I literally fell uh, over and I was literally just unconscious for like 10 seconds or something. something. Whoa. Um, because I was literally working day and night. And then even if you're young, you, 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 yeah, you don't really like notice it and you just keep going. 
but yeah, I literally just dropped down. Yeah. And that was a uh, yeah scary moment and scary point. And but for me, still, I kept on doing it because I knew if I stop uh, working now, I'm going to have to. I'm going to struggle even more than I'm struggling right now because mm-hmm. building up something is is not easy. Yeah. And you need to invest time and money. So. Um, but I think if you have something in mind and if you have a uh, if you have a goal, if you have a dream, um, mm-hmm. you will know. Okay, I have to make certain sacrifices to get there. Uh, if that means I have to work um, 40 hours a week, nine to five, then uh, that's what it's gonna be. But the funny story is like the the name of the company of my previous company um, basically was. Uh, uh, a Japanese phrase it was Datsusara um, Datsusara is a Japanese phrase and in Japan it's, it's um, usual for people back in the days it was usual that you made it if you would be working for some of the big corporations you have like Sony and all these uh, 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 Toyota big corporations and you would have made it if you would be working there and you would get higher up there but at some point there was like the, 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 the working hours in, in Japan it's it's crazy. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, people. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Eighty hours a week is like nothing. It's really. It's, yeah. yeah. But at some point there was like this movement in Japan uh, where a lot of people they were not happy, but they yeah they do want to get something and they wanted more out of life. And what happened there is that there this movement basically the Datsusara movement um, was a, a group of people that started learning that okay hold on next to having this corporate job i do have a passion could be anything could be uh, um painting could be making music could be whatever and there's also uh, uh, an opportunity to make money with our passion mm-hmm. and basically uh Sahara, if you would uh, translate it that would mean uh it it, it means a bit like something like um, leaving your job, corporate life, to pursue your passion and also be able to make a living off of that. Um, the funny thing is um, that we made together with uh, a, a very good designer, um, we made into a logo and in that logo, uh, which I have tattooed on my leg, um, it's uh, basically, um, you see 95 and then you see like a rope. Um, that As means in like killing, dying. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that means uh, uh, what the logo meant to us is like, okay, we're never gonna do that nine to five life. Mm-hmm. We'd rather die. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's a tattoo on my leg. So that tells enough of my mindset, basically. Yeah. And how serious that is. Yeah. For your journey. Yeah. And. It's not uh, obviously back then. I, I still had a nine-to-five job, yeah. but I also knew like, okay, I, I'm, I'm, this is temporary, and I know um, if I keep going and I keep following um, my path, I will get there. Yeah. And basically, ever since um, I, I quit that nine-to-five job and was able to sustain myself by doing what I, I love to do. Um, I, I, I kind of never like look back and never needed a job. Um, and for me still, that journey also led me to fill in pieces. 
um, where I do work in office five days a week, but it doesn't feel for me like okay, it's a it's 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 a nine to five job, yeah. um, and that's for me a very important part of um, yeah what I need to thrive. It's like. If it, as soon as it, as it starts like feeling like okay this is a nine to five corporate thing, uh, I, then I block. Yeah, it just kills your creativity all the way. Yeah, I get it. This this is really interesting. I would really like to know. We're gonna listen to a song, but I would really like to know where we get back this your goal of never working for somebody mm. you know you shared you had to do the 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 job mm-hmm. uh, i'm really interested to know like okay how, how long did you for how long did you do that 80 hours <laughs> thing and uh what are some of the rewards that you got through because i think this gives a, like a realistic idea for especially people that are really creative yeah um because now i don't i don't know if it's like better or improved than 10 years ago but it seems as if now because of technology and the access to knowledge is yes. now that people can creatively develop themselves now so much mm. way faster yeah. and uh, I would really like to know for you as an experienced one uh, what people should be watchful of before yeah. they go and you know go into this world and be naive of, and you're still listening to Africa on focus on high radio, the voice of the next generation. We're almost heading to you at 9 p.m., but we're taking some extra minutes uh, to talk to uh, uh, Liro Nimel, who's given us a real, a real realistic view of what entrepreneurship is all about, mm-hmm. especially the fashion, especially it looks hip, it looks fresh. You get to dress however you want and everything. And uh, Leroy is really getting, uh, giving us an up-close look on his journey and some of his, his, his lessons. And we were just talking about where you grow up. Uh, mm-hmm. Where you grew up, which uh, in, in your words is 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but if we drive, we, it will take us one and <laughs> one and a half hour to the other side of, uh, of, of the city. Yeah. Could you share with us a little bit how it was growing up uh, in the Netherlands and from where you were born? Could you share um, with us a bit about that? Of course, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was eight. I was eight years old when I came to the Netherlands from Suriname. Right. And... Um, we moved to this like small, super small village called Ermelo um, in the center of the Netherlands. Uh, and it was a super small, predominantly white village. And there were like, I think two um, black families living in that village back then. <laughs> right. Um, so um, my my uncle, my mom's brother, he, he, li- he was living there and um, you also had like a, a as I'd say in in the in the area. So there's like a couple of Somali people uh, and uh, uh, a couple of um, people from Iraq and Iran. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, a few Turkish families. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was it. As I'd say, as you represent. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Um, and so coming there from Suriname, um, first of all, it was cold. Um, <laughs> secondly, um, I had to like adapt and get used to like this new environment, yeah. um, which I think to this day, um, it was a privilege for me. I, I'm saying this now, but mm-hmm. in, in, so in hindsight, it was a pri- privilege for me to grow up in such a predominantly white, um, village. And the reason why is that. I had to learn very 
quickly how to navigate myself in in that environment. For instance, if I would have moved to Amsterdam, it would have been uh, easier for me to like to connect with uh, um, people I, I, uh, that look like me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had to I had to learn and adapt to that situation at eight years old. Um, and I, I do remember that one of the first things, um, one of the first, so in, in a Suriname, obviously we, we speak Dutch. So I already spoke Dutch, but with a Surinamese accent. Mm. So when I came here, uh, I remember one of the first new things I learned, one of the first new words I learned was, was actually not a very nice word. Uh, it was katoenplukker, cotton picker. Was that even still a word? It is. Okay. I'm talking like this is 1992-something. 90, uh, I've never heard that before. Yes. Wow. Um, so <laughs> for me, that was like, whoa, okay? But because I, I, I didn't really know what it meant. Uh, yeah. And, but I think that for me um, has um, basically partially f- formed me into the person I am today and it learned me to it, it like grew my skin uh, you get a thick skin at some point yeah. obviously uh, you have a choice um, in in that sense you can basically let it go or you yeah. can fight and <laughs> I think uh, yeah. when I was younger uh, I was always getting into fights and stuff like that um, because of this but um, I don't see it as yes it's wrong obviously yeah but I see this okay I'm, I'm uh, I've been put through this mm-hmm. to learn something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and um, that's uh, what I still have today. Is like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a fighter and I, I, I will fight for, for everything I believe in. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting. Like if you grew, grow up in, in such a, a small village, everybody knows everybody. Yeah. Um, and... Um, yeah, it's it's easy to become the bad guy. Yeah, uh, which I obviously did. Um, oh no, Leroy! <laughs> no. But it also gives you it it gives you so much more. Uh, it gave me so much more, uh, and it gave me so many insights uh, into how the world basically works. Um, I think, um, and um, the, the 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 funny thing is, most of my family that was living in the Netherlands, uh, they either lived in here in Amsterdam. Uh, Rotterdam or Almere so mostly during the weekends um, we would uh, come to Amsterdam sure, yeah. uh, to visit family and stuff like that mm-hmm. and I've always had that uh, the, 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 the city always attracted me so yeah. I think when I was like 14 or 15 I, I was I was like kind of mad at my parents and I was like Man, why why do you uh, did you guys decide to move to this, this village. small village where <laughs> everybody right. is in Amsterdam and mm-hmm. we are not. And but I don't. When I got older, I didn't. I started realizing why they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very grateful for that they made that decision because I think if I would have grew up in Amsterdam, um, uh, I would have be, been. The story would have been different. different <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah, basically that. Um, it's 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 good to uh, grow up outside of your comfort zone. Let me say it like that. That is a good one. I think I think I would I would agree. Um, I'm also not from the largest city. Um, from a 
something like uh, Armelo Delft, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, you know, and obviously you have a relative in Amsterdam, The Hague and stuff, so you often get to travel. And, yeah. and it, it, it really gives you a good sense of, you know, um, who am I? What should I work on? What What is my, my added value? Yes. Um, you know, as a colored person or an African yes. or a black person. And uh, I also think that should be a balance, you know, uh, of being... Being around your people of, so that you can know, not forget about your strengths mm-hmm. yep. and not always wanting to compare yourself to others or feeling like you should change who you are. Yep. You know what I mean? So I, I think it, it could be good to your development uh, as long as you kind of realize how to use it. Yeah, you know? that's that's difficult, especially when you're young. But yeah. Um, you better through it. Yeah, if you have the right support system around you. Um, yeah. I, w- I would agree with that as well. Um, one thing I love about it, you, because you just explained that you being in this creative uh, field, I'm sure because of how the brand has grown, you know, people come to you, people look up to you and your team. Because uh, I was talking to my sister the other day. Shout out to Charlene Austin. <laughs> as you said, you know, they are actually a group of friends and they all have, uh, you know, successful brands. You know, yeah. they had to grow it over time. Yes. And I'm sure that because of the state of the brand where it is now, you get a lot of attention and. Of course, they get to see the success, yes. but they don't know the sweat and the tears <laughs> and everything that went down. Probably it would be that a couple of years ago, you would have pursued any of these, some of these top artists that wear any of your designs mm-hmm. who would not even look back at you, but now they do. Mm-hmm. You've probably had that. What are some of the examples of some of the, the things that you've gone through that are really, you know, stick in your head uh, that you remember throughout your journey? Um that's uh, uh let me think uh yeah I, I mean there's there's books worth of of, of stories but yeah. um i think it's um when you're young and when when you're working with a young company um everybody is ambitious and um you don't really see um boundaries so it's like okay we want to do this okay let's go and you 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 go and you try and then yeah. Um, you, you obviously you make mistakes and um, but a lot of times things go super well um, and it's easy to like forget um, how difficult it really is mm. when when certain things just keep on uh, going and it, and it goes well. I think. Um, let me think of, of a good example. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, it's we. Uh, this is I think four or five years ago. Um, we had a, a, an idea. So what we did, we were always trying to look for new materials to make shoes and 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 trying to find innovative materials. And we had this shoe, and everybody loved it. And but it was a material that was yeah it was fairly new and hadn't been properly tested on footwear yet and so we made those shoes and we made the samples and we sold them to a lot of retailers and also um, bought them for our own web store and then at some point when the shoes were delivered produced and delivered um, and people started buying them like within a couple of days the shoes started cracking oh no (laughs) and we would get like phone calls from from retailers and, and from people like yo the shoes are cracking within two days da, 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 da. and that was a 
big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't really. It's 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 a very. It was a very big learning moment for us. Like, yeah. Okay, hold on. Um, first of all, how are we going to solve this? Um, and secondly, what learning uh, are we getting out of it? So. Um, it's one of those things that could literally make or break mm-hmm. uh, a company because if you uh, if you have bought so largely into it yeah. for retailers and for your own web shop yeah. uh, and you have to pull back everything mm-hmm. um, you can just literally be gone the next day bankrupt, yeah. bankrupt. Um, so these kind of things um, yeah we've had that we really had to like okay sit down okay how are we going to solve this and yeah, um, yeah sometimes it worked it, it, it worked like that and sometimes you also make a mistake that turns out into something super huge um, yeah. it's very important to be aware that it's okay mm-hmm. to make a mistake mm-hmm. but <coughs> you always have to think about okay if something goes wrong do we have either a contingency plan or something like that or will we not go broke yeah uh, but yeah it's it's difficult but there's there's a lot of things like um, also with, with looking at artists and people that you work with and some yeah. people that would wear the shoes and wear the product and uh, support it and then at some point they grew and they would say yeah I love the product but uh, can you pay us now obviously that's because of the whole social media thing and and influencer game that came up (laughs) at some point and then um, for us back then it wasn't like okay but we cannot afford um, to pay influencers and um, to this day we actually were not um, and I think that's 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 something that if you stick to what you believe in, uh, you will find a, another way. You will sure. find like an alternative um, to sure. work with influencers and, and not pay them um, because that's also a, yeah it's a different business model. You know, yeah. some companies are built on it. But uh, I always um, try to like ask the question like okay. What if tomorrow social media does not ex- exist anymore? Yeah. Um, like, internet is shut shut down. Yeah. What uh, uh, what amount of people would still have a job? We could still be selling shoes and clothing, because before the internet, people were s- selling shoes and clothing. Yeah, sure. But an influencer, what is he gonna do? So um, yeah, it's, it's it's very interesting. It's an interesting uh, uh, um, it's an interesting game. Yeah, I, I want to know what you did with them shoes. Yeah, exactly. Like, how did you solve it? <laughs> how did you the, solve? We had to pull back everything, oh. um, and and that was it. Um, mm. No sh- new and improved version of that material, or no, not, not at the time. No. And no. and now are you going? To, did shoes- you follow up on? On that, let's say that style. Or that oh yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Okay. So basically, um, the shoes were designed. Uh, um, there's this one model, and that was actually the first shoe ever made. Uh, now, almost ten years ago, um, that which is the Philippines' low top, um, and 
that shoe, uh, that was the first shoe, and still today is is, is um, one of the most important shoes in the collection. Mm. Right. Um, so over a span of 10 years, that shoe has evolved um, and using different materials, using yeah. using like... The, it's revamped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it has evolved literally from, uh, yeah, this, this product that um, was actually like bridging a gap between the luxury and, and the streetwear segment. Uh, but now it has evolved uh, where also the market has evolved because if you look at 10 years ago, there was still like this big ass gap between uh, luxury and streetwear. But look at the market now, yeah. those two have merged. Yeah. So um, it's, it's also important for you as a brand and, and uh, your product also to keep that evolving and keep growing. Um, because if, at some point, uh, if you would still do whatever you would do 10 years ago, uh, yeah, it could become difficult. Yeah, absolutely. So you have to stay innovative and um, kind of be ready to, to, you know, work with the worst case scenarios. <laughs> you're never ready. Have a contingency plan. Yeah, though. but in that, in <laughs> yeah, that exactly. sense, basically you're never ready, but... Uh, if you keep your eye on uh, the goal, uh, on the bigger picture, then you will manage to, to, to survive. Right. Keeping your eyes on the bigger picture. That is a good one. Um, so since it's um, it's Black History Month, it's all black, black, black. <laughs> yes. Um, throughout, you know, you, because I, I know you've engaged with a lot of upcoming artists, upcoming creatives and things. Is there like a piece of advice uh, that you that you often give black people, you know, when starting their creative journey? Is there like a typical thing that us black people always keep doing? <laughs> Do you feel black? To, <laughs> that we need to be Are you black? Do you feel black? Do you support black? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. You making that clear. Like, <laughs> we have to make that clear. We have to make that clear. I mean, I also have Asian blood, but still, uh, right. it doesn't matter where I go. You're still Yeah. Right. Cool. You still am and still are. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I would I would really like to know because is there like an, uh, uh, not a problem, but is there like something that you know as Africans, black people, seemingly do that we could be watchful of as <clears throat> creatives? Because like he said, um, 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 the good thing of him being raised, let's say in Ermelo, yeah. was, um, allowed him to kind of navigate through um, predominantly white society. Yeah. Um, that's not um, something every black person has because we, you know, we group together and then we only navigate through ourselves. So when we find ourselves within um, the the power structure or within um, white folks, we, you know, we we don't we don't speak their lang um, language. We don't know their mannerism. We don't um, have the same idea or get what the messages they um, they're, yes. they're telling us. So maybe there's some tips and advice <laughs> that you, you know. Um, yeah, I think. Know your worth. That's the first thing. Uh, I mean, you. It's 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 uh, very easy to um, compare yourself. I used to compare myself to others as well. And it's like, yeah. um, firstly, it's it's like we have to know our worth, and yeah. from there on, we have to learn and keep learning about the environment and the society that we live in and, and uh, that where the, the environment we operate in as well. Mm -hmm. So 
if you're a, a creative, let's say you're you're an artist, you're you're a singer or or a, or a rapper or you name it, the business you are in, the music industry, also there, obviously, it's it's very helpful if you learn how does this industry work. And yes. I understand that for a lot of creative people, um, they don't have any interest in learning about their industry they have interest in making whatever it is they're making yeah but um there's also the 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 side where there's a a lot of money being made within creative industries so let's let's stick to music for now if you know like it's easy to sign a deal with a a a record label Mm -hmm. but have you learned what that record label um, does and what the the income streams are. Do you know where that comes from? And I'm not saying become a lawyer and study every every contract, but if you have like a basic knowledge of what's going on, um, don't just sign away your publishing rights, for instance. And obviously today it's it's way easier than it was 10 or or even 15 years ago. But I think it's you can go into Google and you can figure out the basics of okay, music industry works like this. And also there it's important to keep in mind the bigger picture because if you want that that hit or you want to make a music video that uh, um, costs I don't know, 20,000 euros um, then you're going to say, okay, but shit, I don't have that type of money. I cannot make this. Uh, I don't know how. Uh, and someone comes, oh, yeah, I have this deal for you. Five-year contract. You make three albums. You get this amount of money. We mm-hmm. give you this amount of money up front. We pay for, like, five video clips and stuff like that. Yeah. But if you would read the contract well, yeah. oh, yeah, mm-hmm. you just signed away your, your, your life, basically. Because yeah. if you sign away your publishing rights, that is something. If you have a hit, that could make you money for the rest of of days yeah not the rest of your life the rest of days yeah Yeah. because if uh uh, music is like timeless and it it keeps scoring it keeps on generating money uh royalties yeah so the advice i think would come down to educate yourself on whatever it is you're doing so you have your craft Mm -hmm. but on, on on the other side of your craft is also the business behind it yeah and Try to educate yourself and try to find um, people that can help you. Um, you don't have to get paid for everything, mm-hmm. but just just make sure that you learn certain basics. Yeah. And keep in mind, the, again, the bigger picture because everyone wants to, I want to have it now. I want that. Yeah. I want it now. And yeah. now every opportunity is the right opportunity for you. I guess. Definitely. <laughs> we, we need to learn how to have. We forgot about patience, I think. Yeah. Especially young patience, people. Yeah. So know your worth, educate yeah. yourself, and have patience. Always, because, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, a record label owner or a gallery owner, if you're an artist, if you're a painter or whatever, mm-hmm. they always have their own oh, yeah. incentive <laughs> and their own agenda. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> Someone is going to say to you, yeah, uh, I think you can sell, let's just say, this this painting for X amount. Um, 
if if that someone is a gallery owner, mm. obviously that gallery owner is going to say, mm, nah. Mm-hmm. And they, they they can sell it for ten times that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But if you don't know what is going on in your environment, what is going on in your market, so and it's. I'm not saying it's easy. It's it's super difficult, especially for a lot of like really creative people. Um, creatives are not the best business people, mm. on average. So um, it's it's not easy, mm. but um, it's yeah. If you educate yourself on certain things, um, I think in the long run, uh, you will always benefit off of it. Um, and so that's why I also through in patience because mm-hmm. in the long run that's when you you see what um, benefits that education has um, literally yeah, brought because yeah. you then realize oh it's that's why I didn't take that deal and wait it or say no to that that's why I didn't go there it's because of that education and but, it's a struggle but within that creative space yeah. right um, where not only are people trying to find them themselves or find their lane mm-hmm. now they have to also understand other people their lane so i yes. feel like some sometimes people would would feel like it will interrupt their own but, but the how process right so but so how would you, um how do you uh, make sure that you understand your worth and you understand mm-hmm. you want you want to learn your path of creativity and still keep an ear out for other people's or other other paths, but not be influenced, right, by 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 them. Like how does a creative person or how how do you navigate um, through that? Um, there's there's this one thing that I always uh, say and that I always keep repeating, um, and that is um, educate yourself on truths other than your own and other than written in the books of history. So whatever my truth is may not be your truth. Mm -hmm. But if I do not educate myself in your truth, I will not be able to advance. Mm -hmm. So um, basically, you have to learn what is your truth and also pay attention and try to learn what is the truth of I don't know the, the 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 business or the uh, the the gallery owner or you name it that person that you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Try to like put yourself in their shoes. What would you do if you were um, a, a business owner and you have to deal with you know? Um, try to think for um, try to think for yourself, but also try to figure out okay. What is, um, what what's the incentive for that other uh, person? Or, um, yeah, that's basically it. educate yourself on truths other than your own. Then you will be able to learn new things and le- be able to advance. If you're, yeah, reluctant to learning the perspective of someone else yeah, in stuck, life and yeah. in business. That's talking on. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically, that's it. Yeah. 
Ladies and gentlemen, you're on email. So we're almost wrapping up and I, 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 I really love, you know, how you gave us kind of an in-depth on the lessons that you learned throughout your journey from uh, understanding, making up in your mind or planning for yourself like, hey, I don't want to work for somebody else. Mm-hmm. But then also understanding that, hey, you know, at this time I have to work and uh, prepare money to pay my bills but also for my business mm-hmm. even had to do the 80 hours which is crazy <laughs> like i even feel the back pain when i when i hit the <laughs> 60 hours i'm like okay i should take the saturday off so nobody touches my saturday <laughs> but the 80 that is kind of serious until you almost uh, pass or you even passed out, did pass out yeah. <laughs> and you went on and, and things like that and also some key lessons as to you know uh what creative should do and really understanding the business that they are in and being able to not uh, look at that business from only their perspective, but see the bigger picture. I think that is really valuable and uh, key to any creative out there and who wants to be a Leo or Nemo uh, that sees sees the glamour of, you know, all of these brands that um, you are affiliated with. Uh, I would like to know, do you have any last shout outs or any last motivational words to 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 the youth out there listening? (laughs) Um, I think what is very important for the youth to know is like patience for one be patient your time will come Mm -hmm. and um, educate yourself and I'm not saying go to school because I'm the last person to (laughs) preach uh, uh, about the school because the school system sucks um, and the school system is uh, it's outdated but Educate yourself. Uh, it's so easy to educate yourself uh, because of Google, um, because of the internet. Um, yeah. You can you can learn so much, um, but don't spend too much time on TikTok or yeah. <laughs> Snapchat and shit like that. I, I, I'm assuming you're not on TikTok. <laughs> well, sometimes I am, but that's strictly for business reasons. Right, right. Um, but other than that, no, I try to minimize it, mm-hmm. even though some people would disagree. But mm-hmm. um, no, it's like uh, be patient and know where you're going. And um, if you have that in mind, uh, it doesn't matter. And for me, I can I can say, like, don't do things just for money. Right. Um do things because you love doing something and then the money will follow. Mm. I'll take that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'll take that. Uh, thanks so much, Leroy, for dropping by the studio. Thank you, you for definitely me. spit some knowledge and um, really gave gave us a good in depth inside of the like the real what it's really about. You know, the love that any any creative person should put in uh, in the arts. Um, and if, if, if you are out there, you know, you're creative, this is definitely, uh, an episode that this is worth uh, resharing. Mm-hmm. So if you are uh, listening, make sure that you reshare it on your timeline. Of course, Africa on Focus, the podcast is going to come out uh, soon where this episode is also, uh, going to come out. And since it's Black History Month, I, I kind of, um, I always like to promote like upcoming uh, brands or brands that are out there. Let's just the ideal thing is to move away from Gucci and stuff and to <laughs> to buy some black-owned luxury brands. And I feel still that you know a lot of uh, people don't know enough. So one of the things is also failing pieces. For those of you who don't know, I'm sure like the male the men know and any men that I talk we to. We also do like, women's. 
Really? Yeah. Okay. That 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 is what I didn't know. That is what I didn't know. Um. So look out for filling pieces of of course. Uh, one Daily paper. Daily paper. Oh yeah. Daily Olaf paper. Hussein. All of Hussein. Olaf Hussein. Olaf Hussein. The new look originals. Is that, the new original. Is that theirs as well? Is that part of? It's, it's they're, part, they're of, like a part of my of friends. friends. Yeah, it's mm. all my all my friends. That that's being connected. Oh with, lord! You know, like-minded people. Yeah. Oh, lord. Um. So here is one. Oh, uh, throughout this month of February, I'm um speaking of certain brands that you should definitely look into. Young people are known for saving money to buy this one shoe that is expensive, one bag that is expensive. <laughs> well, stop doing that. <laughs> so uh, while you're doing it, you know, look out for uh, Kirby Jean Raymond. And um, which is a men's and uh, men's and women's wear label founded by the Haitian American designer in 2013. So according to the website, the brand is concerned uh, with building a narrative that speaks about heritage and activism, which I love. And it often highlights the complexity of black life in its fashion presentations, including topics of police brutality. Black Church Experience and the Black Lives Matter uh, movement. In 2018, Jean Raymond was the recipient of the CFGA Vogue Fashion Fund. Um, so make sure that you check out Kirby Jean Raymond. Kirby Jean Raymond. Within all of your budget, the price ranges from $126 to $1,605. Um, the brand is called Pyre Moss. Pyre Moss. And the brand is called Pyre Moss. And the Kirby, is, Kirby is the founder, yeah. Right, right. Thanks for correcting me on that. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the brand. Yeah, I, I know him. And oh, you oh, know him. Okay, look at that. Oh lord. <laughs> <laughs> and even Whoopi Goldberg, I think it's it's probably part of that fashion campaign uh, where Whoopi, Go uh, Whoopi Goldberg was graced in their sweaters. I like Whoopi Goldberg. She's kind of known for wearing like crazy sweaters and stuff. Like in mm -hmm. Dutch, we have like the Foute Trier, which is like the, the sweaters people don't look at. <laughs> and uh, there is one edgy, edgy one that you should definitely look out. So uh, while you're spending your money on a luxury project, make sure that you uh, look out for PyreMoss.com and uh, buy something exclusively over there. So next week, uh, we'll be back to talk more on uh, Africa and Focus. Uh, of course, with me, your host, and my colleague, Donnie. Yup. And uh, also look out for my music. Like, it's, it's pretty weird because I'm like oh, yeah. the, the host. I have this mixtape coming up <laughs> on, on Friday. I'll be, I'll be dropping a new single. But first, I need to... to, to Sorry, you know, you're of, also a musician? I'm also a musician. Oh. Yeah, that's right. The total package over there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a musician, so I'm absolutely uh, a creative. So make sure that you uh, look out for that on my social media. You're looking for manager? Upcoming artists. <laughs> <laughs> upcoming artists, uh, make sure that you slide in my DM because uh, now upcoming artists are uh, shooting me their music. I'm playing them here on the high radio because that's what we're all about. Make sure that you follow African Focus on all streaming platforms. And by the way, I have a good announcement because I have a collaboration with F-Town, which is uh, uh, the African streaming. Um, it's, it's basically the African Spotify. That's what it is. And our podcast will be there as well. Uh, I have more announcements on that. Uh, there is this Ghana-Amsterdam collaboration taking place. Uh, next week, we'll be back. Make sure that you spread the word. Shout out to Donny. <laughs> Thank you for being here on the show. And also thanks, uh, Leroy, for uh, coming. Thank you for listening to Africa on Focus. We air live every Sunday on High Radio from 7 p.m. Amsterdam time. Join the Africa on Focus platform on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Africa on Focus or visit www.africaonfocus.com.
and follow me on all your social platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Miss Ama. Shout out to High Radio and Q Vibe for the jingle. <laughs>